1: Welcome to another episode of the po- uh, podcast, the Pod Code, um, the Food Code Podcast. Uh, I have Amanda with me um, and Liz. And Amanda is a long term friend that I met in a weird way. Um, so, my coach, Angelo, uh, at O'Hare CrossFit had a mentor and his coach, Jason Layden, who coaches at Cross and O'Hare um, back in the day when CrossFit was fun to me and isn't this crazy sport now, I used to go out to Milford for training camps. And Angelo was friends with Amanda's. Were you guys married at that time? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, Amanda's husband, Ian, who is quite possibly one of the most entertaining people I've ever met in my life. Um, he's so funny. Uh, but, anyways, so I met Amanda through Ian out in milford and we competed on a team together at a competition we were called maria's meat factory (laughs) i sleep sleep in that t-shirt still (laughs) it's the comfiest t-shirt um angelo's mom's name is maria and he decided that we were going to name the team maria's meat factory So anyways, fun little backstory. Um, But anyways, Amanda, I rediscovered on Instagram because we hadn't talked in a long time. I haven't been out to Milford in a long time. Um, And we kind of lost touch. And so I I found Amanda on Instagram that she was, I knew she was an RD, um, but she specializes in female health, you know, female hormone health, PCOS, thyroid health. Um, and I was like, "You, ha- we have to interview you. You are, uh, you are the expert that I think is needed for our community to listen to about some topics." Um, so I was hoping you could talk to us a little bit about your journey, um, you know, becoming an RD and what made you want to go this route of female help.
2: Yeah. So it's so nice to chat with you again, Becca. It's so funny. Like I'm like that feels like so long ago. It's crazy to think about that, and funny how it's like. We're both kind of out of the CrossFit space now, which is interesting. Um, But yeah, so I so I was I was an RD when we met, but I was very like sports nutrition focused, and that's kind of like what my plan was initially. And then when I was kind of in school and making that transition to CrossFit and like Paleo, I feel like that's kind of the road everyone kind of goes through is like they find paleo and zone and all this stuff and i started making all these diet changes it totally changed my perspective on food and then of course like at least for me, like I'm very nerdy. So then I started doing all this research and I'm like, okay, like I'm living this whole holistic lifestyle, but I was still taking the pill. I was also like the birth control pill and I was, um, I had, I'd struggle with acne forever, even on the pill. And I had all these like crazy creams and I was taking antibiotics, which are supposed to not make the pill work. So I don't know why my doctor did that to me. I didn't end up getting pregnant, thank goodness. But, um, yeah. So I was like kind of going through all that and I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Like it felt off to me at the point and like where my values kind of shifted toward. And so I was like, I'm gonna get off the pill. Thought nothing of it. Just stop taking it. I <laughs> would not recommend that. Um, and that is really where I would say like my journey with all this women's health stuff got started. And I was like, okay, like obviously I get all these crazy reactions. My skin goes insane and I feel terrible I did get a copper IUD, um, but I didn't really feel the effects of that until later down the road, which we can talk about if you want, um, but yeah, that kind of like spurred me into this whole like, my doctors weren't listening to me, they're just telling me to go back on the pill, I was missing my period for like six months, and they're like, yeah, that's normal, and I like was like, what am I supposed to be doing right now? No one can answer my questions, and I was like, wow, this is awful, and until then, I hadn't really had a women's health issue. So I hadn't experienced that, but that's what really kind of like changed the whole trajectory of my career.
1: Yeah. So can you talk about some common symptoms? Uh, well, like basically what birth control does when we take it. Um, Mm -hmm. and when you, uh, what's normal and what's not normal around periods. And then maybe like when you go off birth control, some common symptoms of things that might be wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So
2: the, It depends on like the pill, like I'm talking hormonal birth control, right? Like I was on the pill. I was on actually on a combined pill, which means it has synthetic estrogen and synthetic progesterone Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why i want to come off is because i have a very strong family history of breast cancer and i was like i can't believe my doctor has me on this combined pill you know so i call their office they're like no you're fine as soon as you stop taking it your breast cancer like risk decreases and i'm like but i already have a family history of this (laughs) so that like was like a whole thing but really the pill like any hormonal birth control whether it's combined or if it's just a synthetic progesterone, like the mini pill, or like mm-hmm. if you're on a low dose, it's usually just progesterone. Yep. Those take they, they basically shut off the communication from your brain to your ovaries. So they keep you from ovulating. And that I did not know any of this stuff, like <laughs> until I was in college learning about it in class, but really like basically we're throughout our cycle, we're kind of going, we we have menstruation and then we're our estrogen's building up, we're building up a follicle. And then from there, it's increasing and that is stimulating ovulation, the release of an egg. And this is where, that's when you're fertile. There's about six days a month when you're fertile. And so we release that egg, but leading up to the time of the egg releasing, you're fertile. And then um, that's ovulation and that's how we can get pregnant. And so the pill shuts that down. So it's it's like, I mean, it's very effective. If you take it correctly, um, if you're using a hormonal IUD, it's not technically stopping ovulation most of the time. After the first year, eighty percent of women ovulate eighty percent of the time with the IUD. That does not. They, that's healthy women. That's not like if you have a history of hormone issues or PCOS. Um, so, but that's changing your cervical mucus, and just having something in your uterus can it makes it more difficult to get pregnant. So, the pill's the rough one, in my opinion. I think it's the hardest one to transition off of. I think it's a, has the biggest impact on your body. And so, I didn't know what it did when I was on it. When I learned, I immediately came off, and I was like, "This is crazy!" Like i'm not making any hormones like i just i don't know and i mean think about it. i'm a science major and none, i didn't even make the connection for like years so um basically like when you're coming off like you have to remember that right your brain hasn't talked to your ovaries in a long time so you might not get your period right away i would technically say that that is normal it can take some time to get that hypothalamus and pituitary talking to your ovaries some women get it back right away it's going to be super different for each person um so that's kind of like the first piece and then you have to remember whatever your cycle was like before nothing has fi- been fixed by the pill since then so it's probably going to be similar after so i had really painful heavy periods before And lo and behold, I had really painful, heavy periods when I came off. Um, I was like thinking they were going to be worse. I mean, I didn't get my period for like eight months. I had some post-pill PCOS going on, which is basically when you're not ovulating. And so you can get cysts on your ovaries and high male hormones and hair growth and acne and all this stuff. Um, And so that's kind of like, you know, your period's probably going to be similar to how it was before, but it might not. Like if you go on the pill at a young age... You have to remember, like, until your frontal cortex is like fu- fully formed, your period can change. And like, we're just like, I went on at fourteen, you know, like it's just crazy when you think about it. It's like my period wasn't even like fully developed yet, and so it might be completely different. So I think that's like important to keep in mind. But a lot of the times, women are just kind of expecting to come off and everything is going to be exactly the same. But you have to remember, like, you prevented this completely natural hormone reaction from happening for however long you were on the pill. And so there's going to be probably be some pushback and your body is likely going to need some support. Um, And we can definitely talk about that if you want, but I would say like, those are some of the big things you want to think about.
1: Yeah. So let's dive into that. You know, what What deficiencies get created from birth control? Um, What's normal and what's not normal with a period? Uh, Is there like, and what types of things can you do to maybe improve really heavy blood flow or really painful cramps and stuff like that?
2: Yeah. So some of the, like I would say, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to stop the pill was I was sitting in class and we were learning about nutrient deficiencies with prescription medications. And of course, like I'm a dietitian, so I need to learn this stuff and they're talking about the pill. And I was like, Oh, I've never been told this. And I've been on this thing for like seven years. Right. And that's when that was like the first like inkling. And then I looked up what it did and I freaked out and I got off, but really like it does deplete quite a few nutrients. Um, a lot of it is B vitamins, vitamin C, um, zinc is a big one. And just antioxidants in general, I would say. Um, There are some studies that show selenium is also depleted and sometimes it's kind of like, well, what's like, what do I need these for? Like what's the big (laughs) deal here? Um, But we use B vitamins for literally everything. I have a lot of female clients that they kind of have like a lot of estrogen dominant issues or like estrogen detox. They don't move estrogen well in the body and get rid of it. And a lot of that is related to B vitamins. And so it's just kind of like increases your chance for not having a great period when you come off. Cause you're already starting with all these deficiencies. Um, mm-hmm. You can absolutely support your body while you're on it though. You know, like there's um, a company, of course, I'm going to forget the name, but the it's called OC companion is the supplement and it has most of the nutrients. Oh, magnesium. I can't believe I forgot to say magnesium. <laughs> it's like my favorite mineral. Um, but there's this company, <laughs> Uh, Vitanica, that's the name. They're herbal company and they have a, a supplement that I recommend a lot. It's called OC Companion. So like oral contraceptive companion and it has a lot of the nutrients that are depleted when you're taking the pill. So I usually have, and I do have people that stay on the pill. A lot of people are like, do you work with women that are still on birth? control?" I do. (laughs) Um, it's hard. You can't really test your hormones, but I have a lot of clients that have like gut issues. Mm -hmm. They're worried about their thyroid. Um, and so they still continue to take it, but you're basically just like really supporting detoxification and really supporting all those nutrient deficiencies so that you can kind of balance that out because the pill is right for some women, you know, especially like I used it in college and I don't regret it. I don't because I was able to prevent pregnancies. So I think that's something I keep in mind too.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Um, do you have questions right now? Yeah. So what would you say for someone who's going in to their doctor with symptoms like you had? So you mentioned you were on birth control since 14. I went in at 15 with debilitating cramps. Right. And I just, feel like they didn't do any further investigation on why, Um, didn't ask about food, didn't ask about quality of food. They just basically said, here's a pill, take this, come back in a year, right? So if you have clients that are coming to you with some of these symptoms, kind of walk us through the questions and the process that you work with them and maybe their OB, you know, for them to go in and have conversations or maybe get some further testing done before they decide to go on or come off the pill.
2: Yeah. Um, And I would say like I think it's just different when you're younger because you're going to have more erratic periods your hormones are erratic they're still regulating so it's like no one should be put on the pill when they're younger unless it's like to prevent pregnancy in my opinion. Um, so, cause it's like, that's not what it's used for. It's literally, that's what it's meant for. So I feel like that's how we should use it. As far as like when you're older, it's like, it's easier because you're like, okay, I I am developed. Like my hormones have matured. These are real issues. It's not like something that's probably going to shift. Um, And when it comes to like talking to your doctor, which I think is very important to do. I also think it's important to have realistic expectations before you go into a conventional medicine doctor. And I've done like several posts on Instagram about this. um, And sometimes I get some flack, but the, at the end of the day, like they are not they are trained to use the pill for every ill. There's literally a saying about it in mm-hmm. med school. It's the pill for every ill. that's how they're trained um so if you're if you are wanting a more natural solution, you need to seek out a someone that has a more functional approach. I do still recommend. A medical license I think that that's nice I think it's you can be confident in their education especially if you're taking medications or have other health history like look for someone like a functional dietitian like myself I have a billion colleagues I can also refer people to Um, or even like a functional doctor naturopaths I do get a lot of clients from them I sometimes I think it's like they don't always get to the roots it's a lot of testing and a lot of circles Um, but I'm sure there are some great ones out there but the more information you have when you do go to your doctor, the better. So track your cycles. Everyone's like, how do I balance my hormones? I'm like, "What what's going on with you? And they're like, oh, well, sometimes I'm like this, but I'm not really sure. And I'm like, track. You need data, whether it's like for yourself or if you're bringing it to your doctor, if you can have at least Three, three to four cycles, because clinically, if you haven't had the same issue for three cycles in a row, it's not technically a clinical issue. And so I would say at least three to four cycles of tracking of your symptoms and your concerns. And then also knowing like kind of what you wanna get out of it because your doctor might not have the exact answer that you're looking for. Um, and so just knowing like, do you want a more natural route or like, are you okay with taking medication? kind of having that figured out before you go in there and sharing it with them. I know it's intimidating. And like I worked in that field for a long time in like hospitals and outpatient care. So like, but I'll even get intimidated when I go on base to the doctor here because they're military doctors and they're scary. Um, <laughs> sure. But at least to me, I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but it's still, you want it. You have to advocate for yourself and like, that's you have to remember. But otherwise, like if your doctor doesn't have this information, they don't really know what you're looking for, it's really hard for them to guide you. And there are some really amazing like OBs out there that are like, well, if you want to go more this route, I can't really help you. But like, here's someone who might be able to, or here's a resource you can use that will be more honest. So track your cycle, figure out what your issues are. What do you want to fix? um and just like trying to do as much as you can like before you get there i personally feel like the more information you have the better um i get most of my clients to have their thyroid tested by their doctors and we do that by tracking their symptoms making sure they line up with typical thyroid issues and then bringing that information to their doctor because otherwise they're like oh you're fine like you don't have a health history of it like we're not gonna do it so i think the more info the better
1: Yeah. So you also work with PCOS quite a bit. Uh, I know we have some clients that have PCOS. We have a couple of followers that have mentioned specifically. Um, Can you walk through really quick kind of like what PCOS is? Uh, I've heard it commonly misdiagnosed, Um, not having, you know, two out of the three common necessary things to diagnose PCOS. Um, and then how there's different types and maybe like some of your protocols and foods to avoid, foods to include, like kind of just a quick rundown of, you know, what PCOS patients should expect and what they can do to make their situation the best possible one?
2: Yes. So PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome, it definitely needs a new name because as I start to explain it, you're going to be like, why do they call it that? Um, So I, really, it started with just like having cysts on your ovaries, right? You you get an ultrasound, you'd have cysts, and they'd be like, boom, you have PCOS. Um, there, it's like a. I like to call it a spectrum now there are definitely types but you can be a combination of the types you can move from one type to the other so i really like to think about it as a spectrum and if we go to like the most extreme end of the spectrum which is kind of like your classic pcs that is when you typically don't have a regular cycle you might still cycle every few months um, but it's not regular so that means you're not ovulating regularly and that typically leads to cysts cysts are really just undeveloped follicles they're it's it's not as like scary as it sounds like we all have a bunch of follicles and if you don't ovulate then they don't fully develop and so then you get these cysts and so people can easily be misdiagnosed if they didn't ovulate that cycle or if they go at the wrong time in their cycle and their doctor's like, oh, you have cysts, like you have PCOS. And they're like, I don't have any other symptoms. Like, what do you mean? So, or you might have them, but that's kind of like the classic. And usually it's very insulin resistance driven. And so that's why there's a lot of talk around like blood sugar and doing keto or reducing your carbs. I am I do not use like diets, they don't work. And if you have PCOS you, and you're on an extreme diet and then you binge, it's literally worse. Like you're, it's, I think it's much better to have a realistic approach that you can fit, whether it doesn't change whether you're at home or you go on vacation. It's always the same, just like any healthy lifestyle.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: but that's kind of like that extreme end. And then also having like higher androgens, which are male hormones. A lot of people think testosterone, but it could also be like DHEA, DHT. And these give you all those symptoms, like really bad acne, hair loss, hair growth, like around the chin, um, chest, nipples, or near your belly button. Like if you're kind of having more hair growth there, that's a common sign of high androgens. And so all those, that's like the worst. That's like classic PCOS that's how we always thought of it but now it's like there's coming you know it's evolved a lot and we've evolved to understand the disease better and there's a whole spectrum so you could have like two out of three of those you could have a regular period and have pcos like you could ovulate every month but still have some insulin resistance that could be leading to some high androgens Um, or you could have more of an adrenal pcos which is like you make higher dhea which is an adrenal hormone but that turns into testosterone so it's and you could usually those people not all of them but a lot of them are usually like a healthy weight. So the doctor's like, you're fine. Like we don't need to do anything for you. Um, So I think it's just like, it's a spectrum and there's a lot of different symptoms. The biggest thing I'm looking at is like, is your cycle regular? Are you ovulating? Cause you can achieve that with PCOS. Like you absolutely can. Um, But that's kind of like the spectrum. And then as far as like dealing with PCOS, like my number one thing, doesn't matter what type you have, is stress and looking at where your stressors come from. And a lot of them come from food. They do. Like a lot of us, either we undereat, we overeat, um, we're eating a lot of processed foods, or we're just stressing in general about our food, which is like probably what I get the most. I'm sure you guys see that a lot as well. Um, and just thinking about like, how can I minimize my stress around food, eat balanced meals? Like we don't need to go no carb right? Like I'm a very big proponent of supporting the thyroid with PCOS. 25% of women with PCOS have thyroid issues. And so like eating regularly, not skipping meals, like skipping a meal is stressful. Letting your blood sugar drop is stressful on the body. And so we just want to avoid that by balancing our meals, eating regularly, being prepared with food. Um, Those are probably some of the biggest things that I think anyone could use that has PCOS, or even if you don't, But those are kind of like some of my baselines and like supplements and stuff. It just like super depends on what you have going on. Um, yeah.
1: I think also exercise a lot of times um, and I've seen more and more recently like CrossFit might not be the best exercise avenue if you have PCOS where you're trying to manage your stress. Maybe doing some more functional bodybuilding or something that's not as high intensity, um, and you know, not stopping weightlifting or anything like that, but maybe not like five days a week of high intensity CrossFit. (laughs) Yeah. Adding stress to the body. Um, So, can you talk a little bit around hormone health um, and how hormones and the imbalance of specific hormones might impact weight gain or weight loss?
2: Yes. So, in like when I say hormone health, cause I'm like the hormone healing RD or whatever. Um, I also am talking about thyroid hormone and I think that, I'm like, God, should I change my name? But I already did it, so I'm not going to. But, and I probably just need to educate better on this. And the idea that like our sex hormones are the last thing to change. So I I think that often we're like, Oh, I have a hormone imbalance, so I'm just going to get my hormones tested and focus on my hormones. But there are so many different things that impact those hormones. And I would say the number one is our thyroid health and it's the trickiest because the testing is the worst right like you go to your doctor and they're like yeah I'll test like your tsh and there's a huge range so you could have like a 4 and they're like you're healthy and that to me though that's like really high and i'd be like ah yeah, we need to like support your thyroid um, so i would say like thyroid runs everything and if you are having difficulty with weight loss, or if you're one of those people that feels like no matter what you do, you're putting on weight, you know, I, I feel like I've gotten a lot of that recently. That can definitely be related to something like PCOS or excess estrogen or even stress hormones. They all play a role, but what what it all comes back to, and this is really kind of like what my practice is really it's focused on the last like year I would say is your thyroid function because it's like you you know like I do all this testing then be like oh their thyroid's just a little bit off it's probably not impacting it that much but then no matter what we do we can't balance their estrogen and progesterone so it's like I kept coming back to it kept coming back to it I'm like you know what I'm just gonna really focus on thyroid for everyone and start there and then see if it helps and it's like night and day it's like your sex hormones can be balanced in three months instead of six months. You know, like, and a lot of that is to do with the fact that our thyroid runs everything in the body, but it also talks to our ovaries and that makes estrogen. And then inside the ovaries the corpus luteum that's responsible for progesterone. So if you don't have enough thyroid hormone or if it's not functioning properly, getting into your cells properly, you might have a cycle every month, but you might have really bad PMS, really heavy cycles. You feel insane. You want to eat your entire fridge, which I do think it's okay to eat more before your period. Cause you have a higher metabolism. Um, side note, but just kind of keeping those things in mind. Like a lot of that is typically lower progesterone, even if you ovulate every month. And so if you, if like, what I think of is, well, how's your thyroid working? Because if it's even just a little bit off, that could be why, you're not making more progesterone in that corpus luteum. And then all that comes back to mostly stress, food, are you under eating? Are you over exercising? Are you getting enough sleep? Like all those things impact different hormones and all of that trickles down and impacts our sex hormones and impacts our thyroid. So that's kind of how I
1: view it. So is there anything beyond, you know, eating enough, balanced diet, sleep, managing stress, anything else that you typically focus on when you try to support the thyroid more?
2: I would say um, there's some certain foods that I really like. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like salt, it sounds probably really strange to some people, but um, sea salt especially is really, really good for your hormones in general. It has a lot of minerals in it. And it's interesting too, like I do a lot of mineral testing and a lot of people are deficient in very similar minerals or they have really high calcium and really low potassium. Like I see similar patterns a lot. And it's like, the, then they have the same symptoms, the same period issues. And so supporting things kind of on a mineral, like micronutrient level, I found really helpful. So like sea salt, adding a little pinch to your water a few times a day. It's not too much to overdo it. And if you're worried about salt, there is a book all about salt that I can send you guys to link if you want. Um, that will totally change your mind. It's really good for you. It's like a multi-mineral, I would consider it. And most of us don't have enough sodium. And if you're peeing all the time, like that's not necessarily a good sign. You probably aren't absorbing all your water. So sea salt is a great one. Um, And then things like bone broth, which I feel like was really big for a long time for gut health. But it's also very supportive for our thyroid and just health in general. And it's it's because of the amino acids in it right? It's like, we're always eating muscle meat, which I do too. I don't like organ meats. I think they're gross. Um, but I do take an organ meat supplement to balance it out. But bone broth has these amino acids that we don't typically get from other places because we're eating that muscle meat. So that's really helpful. Um, and then this one's probably gonna shock everyone for hormones, but grass fed dairy, like everyone's like, and I know I had acne forever. I still like my skin is much better now, but like, if I'm really stressed, like I'll start to get breakouts. But if I can eat dairy, like if you heal your gut, you should be able to tolerate dairy, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's, if you can't eat dairy, it's not that your body doesn't like dairy. It's that you don't, your digestive function is probably not up to par. Um, but it has vitamin K2 in it, which is really helpful for getting calcium back in the cell. I see high calcium that slows down your thyroid a lot. Um, and it's also more balanced than those amino acids right? So it's like a different form of protein. Like that's kind of how I look at it. That is, a, it's slightly different than muscle meat and it's getting more balanced. Um, and then eggs. So those are kind of like the ones that I'm like, okay guys, can we like start incorporating more of these and kind of see how we do? Um, and then raw carrots, because that's most of my clients have estrogen issues. Um, sometimes it's low estrogen. Everyone thinks they have estrogen dominance cause they're like have really bad PMS. Maybe they have like anxiety and like waking and stuff but sometimes it's actually low estrogen, but either way, like you might not be detoxing it well and carrots are like amazing, like raw carrots and not juiced carrots, like raw carrots, um, with a protein and a fat to balance out that blood sugar response. But yeah, those are probably like some of my biggest things And I'm like, if you can just kind of like dip your toe in and start experimenting and then eating regularly, um, that is it. And then s- like sleep. And I know you said it, but I just think we need to emphasize it because <laughs> I don't know how seriously people take it or yep. their quality of their sleep um, and like what impacts it in their nighttime and morning routines and stuff. Like, that's probably like I do heart math, like a stress management technique, and sleep mm-hmm. with people. And that's probably the two biggest things we focus on at first.
0: Becca and I have been talking about sleep, I think, the last two months, yeah. like until so we're blue in the face. And yeah. it, I do agree with you that I don't think people are truly understanding the Im- impact of low quality sleep. So waking up frequently in the middle of the night, um, you know, not going to bed in a restful state, feeling up, uh, sorry, waking up, feeling fatigued. Like these are all symptoms yeah. from your body. This is your body sending you signals. And I love what you talked about, uh, you know, as far as the thyroid, because interesting for me, I have, or I was diagnosed by a functional doctor with Hashimoto's and that was, What I believe triggered by birth control, because I was on a combination of birth control for a really long time. And most doctors, as you mentioned, only look at TSH. And within this wide range, they kind of say, you know, everything is normal. You can't lose weight. Well, that's just a you problem. Um, Maybe you're not eating, you know, in a calorie deficit or whatever. And sometimes that's the case, right? But food, we know, impacts inflammation in the body and gut health and stress and all of that stuff. So can you kind of dive into as you see women coming to you specifically with some of these thyroid issues, are most of them on birth control? Have they not been on? I'm sure you see a combination here, but if you have someone that comes to you in that state, you know, are these the foods that you start with, or do you kind of start with elimination of some inflammatory foods and kind of seeing how they adapt to that as well? Or are you just having them kind of incorporate what you just talked about with the salts and the grass fed dairy bone broth?
2: So, it depends on if it's autoimmune or not. So, I approach th- that will be like completely different. Um, when I think of whether it's a thyroid issue or if someone has like rheumatoid arthritis or whatever, it all comes back to their gut. And I always look at the gut with people just because you can't really fix your hormones again they're the last thing to change so like if you have poor digestion which most people do or a lot of inflammation or like a parasite or a pathogen which I almost always see those with Hashimoto's um, then that's kind of one of the biggest things that we're focusing on first. And because most of our immune system lives in the gut, it's like you have to, you can't not address it. So usually most people that I see with, if it's an immune thyroid issue, it's typically that they have a very underactive immune system now, because at one point it was so overactive for so long and now it's very tired. And so a lot of it's just like supporting their immune system with things like bone broth, the salt, like whole foods, stuff like that. I do eliminate gluten for most people, but I am like a realistic person. And I just, if a food's going to stress you out to eliminate it, like, what's the point? You're just going to be stressed anyway.
0: Um,
2: I am not like a eliminate all the foods kind of dietitian because most women that I see have a lot of food fears already. Um, So I'm usually like, let's focus on these foods. And then gluten is a big one. It's not beneficial for anyone. Luckily, the stool test that I use does measure if you're reacting to it. So if I see that someone's like clearly having a huge reaction, it it's pretty easy to be like, "Hey, I'm thinking we should probably get rid of this for a while." And that helps people because they're like, "Oh, like I see it. Okay, like this totally makes sense." Mm-hmm. Um, but that's probably like the biggest thing, and just it's reducing that stress, getting rid of any infections. But honestly, and I think a lot of people skip over this, but just supporting the breakdown of your food. Because if you have any sort of like digestive upset, like if, or constipation, or like, if you're like constantly running to the bathroom, you are likely not breaking down your food well, and that's going to increase inflammation. So even if you're eating all the healthiest foods, if you don't digest it well, it doesn't really matter. So I'm usually kind of, I focus on like digestion, repopulating any gut bacteria, reducing inflammation, and then get rid of an, getting rid of anything that shouldn't be there. Those are like the four areas that I personally feel like if you don't hit them all, you, it's never, you're never going to fix whatever the gut issue is, but it's, and that's even when it's just like mineral focused thyroid healing, it's like, you still have to support digestion. You know, it's like, that's probably like the one thing that I see for a lot of people and most people that have a suspected thyroid problem. um, I would say the majority of my clients have previously taken the pill or some form of hormonal birth control just cause like that's part of my story. I get some people that are on thyroid medication, you know, it's kind of like half and half. I My like ideal client is not someone that wants a quick fix. So I typically don't get people taking it or that like, want to go back on because I'm just like, yeah, I'm not the person for you. You don't have <laughs> like, it's just like, it's not going to work. So I don't see that a lot. Um, and if they're on the pill, I'm very honest with them. I'm like, here's your mineral levels we know that this happens. If you don't want to stop taking it, I understand, but there's only so much you can do when you're on it. It does impact your thyroid. We have so much research to show that. So I wouldn't be surprised. It's like similar to pregnancy. Like pregnancy is so hard on your thyroid. Like so many women have thyroid issues after or during. um, So it's not super different with the pill.
1: Yeah. So I know you mentioned um, mineral testing and stool testing. Can you um talk about just a couple of like for people that maybe want to like I personally um have the dutch test in my cart right now I am going to buy it either today or tomorrow um like what tests you recommend for clients sometimes um something that maybe they can even do like an at-home test if they're not able to get to a doctor and they're suspecting things are there any tests that you recommend
2: um, okay. So I would say like the Dutch test is great, but you need to learn how to read it. And that takes a long time. So I would like work with someone that knows how to read it. Um, or look at my Instagram cause I shared a bunch of stuff on there. Um, I love mineral testing. I use TEI is the lab company minerals. They're not just high or low though. It's like, it's like they interact with each other. Some are synergistic, some are antagonists. So I I'm like very against DIYing your health only because I tried to do it for like four years and spent a lot of money and wasted a lot of time. Um, mostly because I couldn't find a functional doctor to help me in the way that I wanted them to. So I DIYed a lot. I say like try to save your money and invest in someone because – Like if, if it's literally save you thousands of dollars and I know it can like be really scary and people haven't never done it. If you do someone that has a license, they typically can take your HSA or flexible spending. Like I take that most of my clients use that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like that's what I would consider. And if you're like, I really want to see my thyroid levels, but my doctor won't test. Um, Paloma has a, they have a thyroid kit. I I actually did one for myself to compare it to a, like a blood panel drawn from a lab. And it was almost exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just like, it's at home, it's like finger blood Mm -hmm. testing. So you do have to prick your finger and it kind of took a long time, but I would rather do that than go to a lab. Um, just because I'm an introvert, but, um, yeah, that, it's $99 and they ha, they do test antibodies. It's not like a, I wouldn't say it's like a full, full thyroid panel. They don't test like reverse T3, but they still test a lot. So you could consider that if you're like just wanting to see your thyroid levels.
0: Yeah. So while we're on this topic, I know a lot of people are probably wondering, what should my optimal ranges be? What should I test when I do go to the doctor? Because I know for me during pregnancy, I push back hard on my doctor to run extra thyroid um, results because TSH we know doesn't really tell us much. So she would run all of the free hormones, and um, you know that was something that I had to have a pretty stern. I'm an extrovert, so so I didn't care because I'm like I'm paying you, but I was pretty stern about it just because with Hashimoto's and like being pregnant, like I wanted to make sure that things are still good. Um, and so, what would you tell people? to talk with their doctors about, or at least, you know, on these labs, like if they were to run Paloma, like they're getting the ranges, but what's the optimal range that you ideally like? Cause we know we have clinical ranges and then we have optimal ranges.
2: Yes. Um, so for TSH and it's, it's technically what your pituitary is doing, right? It's, it's your, your pituitary makes TSH it's talking to your thyroid. You still want to know the number because if it's high, that means your pituitary is like yelling at your thyroid and it only ever does that if it needs to. Um, but TSH 0.5 to 2 is the functional range. Um, for free T4, that's like, it's, the, it's not active, right? It's the inactive version of thyroid hormone. You want 1.4 to 1.8 and this is really the functional range. You're going to look at the other ranges and be like, hmm, "This is like I'm within the normal range normally, but it's this is like functional, right? So this is optimal. Um, and then free T3, which if you could only get two, I'd say TSH and free T3. That would yep. be like my two. Um, free T3 shows how well you're converting that thyroid hormone. So can your body take it, turn it into free T3, which is the active form? It should be 3.2 and higher is the goal. I often see it much lower than that. And then antibodies, are, I think are great to ask for. I wouldn't get them every time, right? Unless you have Hashimoto's or you suspect it, it's more something that you're like, when you're initially testing your thyroid, I do believe that you should have them because then you know like, is there a possibility of this that it's dysfunctional related to an autoimmune disorder? Um, and the last one, if you can get it, it's not always easy, but reverse T3. I like this a lot, uh, especially like say, for example, so you get your doctor does your TSH and your free T3 and you're like, Ooh, these are way out of the ranges that Amanda said. So that's when you might go to something like, like direct labs.com or something like that. There are so many places you can order these tests online. Yes. You have to pay for them, but most of my clients have to pay more when they're paying their insurance. You know, it still costs money either way. And then if you say those are really high, like look at your reverse T3, look at your antibodies. Reverse T3 is like showing how stressed out your body is. So is your body trying to shut down the production of thyroid hormone or the conversion because it's so tired, is trying to conserve energy. Um, those are kind of like the lab tests, I would say. And like if you're like, how am I going to get my doctor to test these? if you have an irregular cycle, if you have a low body temperature, um, and we can talk about a whole host of signs. I have my clients monitor that do not involve getting labs done for their thyroid health. Um, Like low body temperature, if you're cold all the time, uh, if you have hair loss in this, these could be hypo or hyper. That's the tricky part. That's why you want to test um, those constipation anxiety, depression, all of those are like very spot on with thyroid issues. So if you have the symptoms, you've been tracking your cycle and you have some information for them, they're much more likely to be like, oh, okay, like she did her homework and she's probably not going to let me say no. So I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's super helpful. Um, I, I think that I, I mean, I always love learning and I, I learned a lot. So yeah. I know our listeners are going to, take a lot away from this um, and it just like it rings true to I think so many people that are unfortunately um, thinking that their symptoms are normal uh, when they could be in a much happier and healthier place uh, because you know unfortunately our doctors sometimes dismiss a lot of things. Um, not saying doctors are not useful. We, we need doctors. We love doctors um, but for certain things I think that they are not the best place to go. Um, so can you, uh, do you have any other questions? Yeah. Okay. Uh, can you tell listeners where they can find you um, on social media, website, all that kind of stuff?
2: Yes. Um, you can find me at Hormone Healing RD on Instagram. My website's hormonehealingrd.com. I would say like Instagram's where I'm most active. I just started doing a Friday like Q&A Instagram live, which has been really fun. Um, but yeah, and I do have a healthy period guide. So if you're like, okay, I got a lot of the information, but I still have some of these symptoms. I go through like common symptoms of certain hormone imbalances. I go through the different phases of your cycle. It's free and it's like 30 pages. So that's usually where I direct people first. Cause it's like, you can learn a lot
1: just by even going through there. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amanda. This was so helpful. Thanks for
0: having Thank you for spending your time with us. We are honored to be able to help educate you and improve your life. If you've enjoyed this, please take a screenshot